Welcome back to another edition of Editing Aloud. My name is Sameh Zake. Joining me in studio today are Sikonati, TJ, and Lucanio. Gentlemen, I want to start off with uh, one of the, I think the stories have been covered in the, in the FM, and that's the state of our municipalities. Um, the Auditor General coming out with a um, report saying only 17 of these municipalities are in good order. One of them, um, in, only in Gauteng, we just have one which, which got, got a clean, clean audit. 25 billion, I think it was, in irregular expenditure. Your sentiments on, 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 on that story, Sikonati? So it's 17 municipalities obtaining a clean audit outcome out of 257. If, if, if anyone is wondering what's wrong with this country, look there. Municipalities are the very first point of contact for communities, for individuals on the ground. Nobody can tell me what provinces do. Uh, to a certain extent, people can tell you what national government do. But it is at the municipal level where services have to be provided to the communities. Mm. And they, 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 they've been broken down totally. So that, that, that's exactly what's wrong. And the situation keeps getting worse and worse. No, nobody nobody is taking, seems to be, to be taking any responsibility. And of course, uh, the mayors get re-elected and re-elected and re-elected all over again. Mm. Mm. I mean, I, I agree with every word you said there, and I think we're all guilty of this to some extent. I mean, find me any political journalist in the country who wants to write about local government. They all want to write about the big stories, right? About mm -hmm. Sri Ramaphosa and Esma Khashule. But really, the things that we really should be concerned about, as Sigonati says, are at the local level. I mean, I think one of our main corporate stories this week was about Astral not being able to actually do that. Do is what yeah. having, having to invest in his own water infrastructure and a town in Standerton. And obviously, people know about you know, my old university town, Gramstown, now called Makanda. Now, they get that big festival that I think is on at the moment when there was talk earlier, it might not even happen because people not weren't sure there was going to be water mm. or, or that even. Like, you know, that's quite a big part of the other towns, like economic life per year. Like, I don't know how much of, of, the, of the town's revenue come across from those few weeks. And there's talk of people here would normally would go saying, ah, I'm not sure if I should go. Is there going to be water? So this is a big issue, big problem. But instead, we know we like to talk about the big issues, yeah. like, like like Mr. What's his name from Astol was saying. We like to talk about bullet trains and all these things. But then, but we need to get those services to work. And otherwise, nothing works. You know? Yeah. And it, it wasn't surprising that there's so many or so few of these municipalities that got clean audits. Um, and I think it speaks to to a sort of a skills drain that we have out of municipalities, because the same as a journalist doesn't want to cover uh, a local municipality, your know, financial managers and those guys, they're not going to want to go and work for, for a, a, a mid-tier municipality somewhere rural. So I think it becomes very tough for municipalities to get the right people there and to slot them into a system that then works so that all, all of the other services can be provided. And, and, and that, to me, is the problem. We've got, we've got this sort of civil service that's been uh, emaciated. And uh, we've seen it at all levels of government, but I think municipalities, it's the most acute. Mm. I think one of um, the, the, the title um, in, on the front page of the um, FM says how municipalities are destroying SA business. And I think that's something we often overlook because we mm. tend to see municipalities as this thing that just um, provides services. But as you're pointing out, we have the case in point of, of, of Astral who has to invest in their own um, infrastructure just to get um, business going. Look, the, the, that particular story, the, the company Astral, one, it's the biggest employer in the liquor municipality, which is Standerton. Uh, and and, and it, had, it had to go to court to force the municipality to actually provide it with 
a certain amount of water so that it can raise the chickens and feed South Africa. And, and you have that story uh, playing all over uh, the, the country in the Western Cape. Uh, Pioneer Foods had to go to, to court to force the, the municipality to pay ESCOM. Uh, the, the company is paying its bills. So does Astral in, in Pumalanga paying their bills, but the money is not reaching, is not reaching ESCOM. And, and who gets cut off? Uh, the, the paying customer. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's how damaged the whole situation is. And of course, those financial managers and, and, and those municipal managers there are the same people who, when they got a, a, one, a, a few years ago, a, a qualified, a, an unqualified audit outcome, uh, printed a t-shirt and celebrated that yeah, we, we, we got a qualified audit outcome. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Someone went and thought that was actually a good thing. Uh, th mm -hmm. That tells you what level of skill there is in the municipalities. And we all, of course, run to, to, to the big cities and the big stories. But why would you want to stay in Grahamstown, for example? Mm -hmm. And then the problem is, for me, the problem is how they raise the revenue. I mean, municipalities, they make the, you can look at one of these graphs in, in this article, they make, get most of the revenue from electricity sales. Or, mm -hmm. Well, not the majority, but it's the largest single contributor apart from grants from central government. So they have to put a markup on the electricity they sell. And that, that, to me, doesn't make sense. Why does a municipality then have to put a markup on it, it? To me, that doesn't make sense. Why not just buy it directly from the electricity supplier? Mm. And I mean, we can talk long about issues the electricity supplier itself has, mm. but the last thing you need is a middleman in between that then doesn't even pay the electricity supplier in the end. Come on, but the, the, these esteemed comrades do also want to drive in black convoys in the German sedans. If you take away the revenue coming from electricity, they Bicycles. add. They, Bicycles is the future. They actually mm -hmm. add up to 40% on, yeah. onto the oh, electricity yeah, price. Crazy. For doing absolutely nothing, mm -hmm. for, for doing absolutely nothing, they, they mark up the ESCOM power, which in itself is already 524% higher than 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and they, all they do, take the money and go uh, do whatever they want with it. And, and they don't do what's supposed to be done with the money. It was supposed to help the municipalities raise revenue for services. Mm. Uh, now, they are not paying for the electricity. They are not buying the services that were supposed, the infrastructure. Uh, why do we need them? We've solved the problem, I think. <laughs> I mean, so Konati mentioned uh, the paying of, of, of bills in order to drive these um, sedans and in these convoys. Um, these state-owned companies are, are struggling. I think we had uh, Danelle and also the SABC struggling to pay salaries. I think Danelle was saying they're going to pay at one stage just 85% um, of those salaries. It seems someone came to the rescue at the last minute. Yeah, it's also like quite typical of what's happened with the state institutions. Right? Like, I mean, like, you know, somebody can call back to ESCOM with a last day with the job cuts, you know, like, you hear in the morning, Daniel is not going to pay salaries, then in the evening you hear the minister says, oh, no, they are going to pay salaries. You know, you sort of wonder, like, who's actually in control of these things, you know, who's, like, where, 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 is, where, where, where is the proper division of labor, you know, so, 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 so to speak. So, so this know? was yesterday. Mm. Yeah. At the very last minute, Daniel says, we can only pay 85% of the salaries. The minister responsible is Pravin Gordon. For, for, for Daniel. He then arranges a loan with the Mashonisa. We still uh, we, we don't know who that is <laughs> because he now makes the announcement in Parliament at the State of the Nation in response to, to Sri Ramaphosa's State yeah. of the Nation. 
One, you should worry very much. Of, of course, Daniel and ESCOM and SABC have always been borrowing money to pay salaries. Mm. But uh, are we at a point now where we think that's normal and acceptable? And, and, and just imagine uh, breaching your, your, your credit facility with a bank. That incurs a huge amount of money. For Private Gordon to walk in into Parliament and casually announce a new, and then we are supposed to celebrate that, uh -huh. oh, yeah, some lender has just come in uh, to, to, to give us an advance to pay salaries. Why have we run the companies down like that? And what are we doing to prevent that happening next month? For me, it's the same. It's, it's, a, it's a similar... Similar thing to what you have the municipalities in the middle. I mean, if government is just going to pay the salaries in the end, then why have the middleman of a management and, a, and, and, and let's pretend that it's a private sector, private se that, 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 it has, that it looks like the private sector. In the private sector, a shareholder, when the company is in trouble, a shareholder, which in this sense is what Pravin Gordon actually is, he's the shareholder or the, the South African government's shareholder. The shareholder wouldn't come, come to the fore and say, Listen, let's pay the salaries. We've made a plan. That's management's job. Management will find a way to then borrow money and then shareholders will be, will be pushing them to make sure that there's no other risks. But the shareholder in the end probably doesn't really care that much about the worker. The shareholder cares about the business and the sustainability of the business. And I think that's the problem. Government is trying to be the shareholder and uh, to be the grandfather. And you can't be both. You're the shareholder or you're the grandfather. I suppose the question here is like, what do we do about it? Because we, 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 I mean, I'm sure we've discussed it so many times on the show, you know, in relation to ESCOM, in relation to the SABC. Remember, like, the SABC, like, the board comes in, says it's too bloated, we need to cut. What happens? The minister says, like, I'm not talking to those guys. And then, next thing you know, there's nothing has happened. Six months later, we have an election. So what do we do? We shrug <laughs> and walk away. You know? And move on you know to, what? to the next topic. Now we've had an election, now the SAPC can't pay salaries. I mean, we could have, you and I could have foreseen this six months ago. Mm. No, uh, we did. And, and we, we did, yes. We, yeah. we shouted. Mm. And, and of course, we were told we are Stratcom and we are agents of white monopoly capital and everything. Mm. Now it has come full circle. Mm -hmm. uh, the chickens have really come home to roost. All these companies cannot pay salaries. ESCOM has been borrowing money to pay salaries, has been borrowing money to, uh, in, in fact, all of them have been borrowing money to, 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 to go uh, pay for operations, and nothing has changed. Bailout after bailout, now they're talking about uh, creating a sovereign wealth fund and we're dreaming about trains. Yeah. How can you not make fixed metro rail and you're still dreaming about a speed train? You, you, you can't fix metro rail. I mean, I don't want to sound too negative, but I think like Lon Lundy was story today about prescribed assets. That yeah. Another unforeseen consequence, like she had, she had, she had like a, a presentation with, with, with one of the biggest companies in, the, in, that, in that space of pensions. And, then, and the basic people were telling her, like, if you do this and you force like people's pensions to be, to be, to be, to be thrown in that, that black hole that is like ESCO, people are just not going to stop saving. So, like we, so, so, so there's one thing of losing that money. Now we actually have a, like a, a danger here that we we're actually like, you know, millions of South Africans could be discouraged from savings. Where, we, where, when you, when you already before. have this low savings rate as it is. Mm. We, we have been here before. That, those prescribed assets, the National Party gave up in mm. 1989. Of course, you could say uh, they, they, they realized now the communists are taking over, uh, 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 coming from the Patrice Lumumba School of Economics in Russia. 
coming to take over and they didn't want the pensions or, or, or the, of the civil servants and private investors to be in the hands of the communists. But now we are doing exactly the same thing. Mm. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. That was 30 years ago, by it, the way. And, and, and prescribed assets, remember, it's, it's almost the, it's the very, very, very last resort. This, mm. is, this is what the, the government at that time did. Um, they were an illegitimate government, but what they did is they said, the rest of the world is not going to give us anything. We have to now look after ourselves in a way. Mm. So let's use pensioners' money. Put this here, put this there to prop up the regime. I mean, is South Africa really there? I, I mean, with proper management and with a, with a better business plan, ESCOM can go to the world markets and get the money. So there's no, there's no reason well, why we should go to prescribed assets. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, you, it's like, it's like using, using a rock to fix your car. You, you really go to prescribed rock. markets when you know you are sinking exactly. the, the economy and you, you have no other way. You don't want anyone but, with, a, with, with a half a brain cell to tell you that mm. this is not going to work. we shouldn't be there, obviously. I mean, uh, ESCOM itself, yeah. it, it should be able to go to capital markets, yeah. raise the money. So, Cesar um, Zamela is uh, the former CEO of um, SAN. Uh, I think she's currently before the um, Zondo Commission on, on, on State Capture. Um, what have you picked up on developments there thus far? She's put it fairly, she's dragged Malusi Kigaba, the former public enterprises minister, squarely uh, into the commission and says during Kigaba's time, and that's when Cesar left actually, she got hired during Kigaba's time and left two years later as CEO of SAA. She says corporate governance totally collapsed and we had no clue as management. We fought back and tried to stop uh, SAA uh, pulling out of the Johannesburg Mumbai route. And, and there were very flimsy reasons given. But uh, in a nutshell, corporate governance collapsed under Malusi Kigaba. And of course, we know that he was then promoted to finance minister. And, and his first speech was orthodoxy out the window. I will manage the finances of this country as I see fit. <laughs> yeah, have, you, have you guys had a, ch a chance to, to look at it? No, not really. But, but, but I remember that time very well. I mean, uh, it was already in trouble. It was already asking for, I mean, billions just to, just to, to, to stay alive. And um, I mean, the solutions, and, and this is what the board at the time said, they say SAA was, has, had been undercapitalized for, for more than a decade. So at the time, I mean, it, there, there wasn't a permanent solution. And I still think we're, we're overlooted. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. It might be the one side of the coin or the other. You don't know. Mm. But, um, and that's the problem. So maybe then, this is what, seven years ago, six years ago? Maybe if then we uh, bit the bullet that we're probably going to have to bit bite now if we, if we want to fix it instead of sell it, maybe if we bit it then, we would have been fine now. Mm. So corporate governance is obviously a key issue in not only in the private, I mean, in the public sector, but also clearly in the, in the um, private sector. We have also another story in the, in the um, FM, that man there, as uh, Sekonati likes to point out, um, uh. being um, pursued for everything I think that he earned since 2008, I think it was? 2009, 2009? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Steinhoff has, uh, through the High Court in the Cape, sued Marcus Yoste for, for 870 million rands. These being salaries and, and bonuses share and share options. Oh, the, the share options are, are over and above that. Mm. 
This is the cash portion that he got. Mm -hmm. And then they said the value of the share options. At so, that time. Yeah, at that time. Not now, at that yeah, time. Yeah, when yes. the stein of share price was 74 rand. Yeah, exactly, 90, 90. Yeah, it's time. now 125 cents. Uh, they want every cent that Marcus Yostep uh, was paid as a salary because he had been hired to deliver honestly and successfully uh, uh, to drive that company. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, of course, uh, they, 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 they are and together with the finance director, Ben Lachrange, who has confirmed receiving yeah. uh, the, 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 the suit from the High Court. So this is a new, this is a new territory in corporate governance and accountability. Yeah. Pay back every cent. That's scary. I mean, where, if, if I was an executive just retiring and relaxing, few years later, now the company comes knocking. Uh, I mean, this was very specific circumstances. Yeah. But uh, as you say, it's a, it, it sets a precedent. I mean, so uh, you can't just ride off into the sunset. You, you know the company's going to come for you. And probably, this probably won't even be the last case. You know, you remember, yeah. I, mean, I mean, without suggesting that there's any conclusion on what happened, for example, if you look at a company like, uh, like, like Tongat, I mean, it's quite clear now from the company's own statements that uh, a lot of the earnings in the previous years were based on information that was possibly incorrect and then in the process of, of verifying that. So when once it's... So they once it's said, <laughs> they said, He's going to say they are facts. They are facts. They said... They said... Past practices. Deliberate management practices, mm. which is code for fraud. Mm. Steinhoff said... Account accounting irregularities. Yeah. It is fraud. They are pursuing Marcus Yoste for, for fraud mm. to pay Major back fraud. the money. Stongat said past practices, and that is fraud. They will pursue them for fraud. That's now, let's take a step back. Distribution Warehouse has already done this and gotten the money back. Mm. Uh, the, the directors there didn't even try to fight back. They paid back the bonuses they I mean, had. This is my point exactly. So like, once this is established, then you'd assume... But I want you to that's, say that's, it that's, is fraud. <laughs> <laughs> it's once, alleged fraud. Once, once it's been established that there was fraud, and, and, and that then directors were getting salaries and getting like, bonuses and getting like, share option schemes based on those numbers that are then proved to have been cooked later on, mm -hmm. then obviously this one, so this will not be the last thing. Or at least it should not be the last thing we see, we hope. No, and, and what's interesting, if you read, if you read the, the, the two annual reports that Steinhoff brought out in the last couple of months, the, the ones we've been waiting for so long for, they say over and over again in that report that past ma very few of the managers that were involved gave them the co cooperation in helping to sort out the mess afterwards. Yeah. So now you wonder, I mean, had, uh, had Joester or Lechalansi, had they, had they worked with Steinhoff to help them unravel this thing, maybe they would have gone lighter on them. You don't know, but maybe they would have. So maybe they would have said, no, your, your 870 million, we see that as a, as, as a consulting fee for, for helping us sort <laughs> out this mess. We now, won't uh, pursue you for that. DJ, now the, the thing here is, this is just the several part of it. Uh, the, that report clearly points to criminal activity. And, and where are the police? Steinhoff has laid charges of fraud against him and nine other people. Where are the police? Uh, not only South African police. In Germany, they've been investigating yeah. for five years. Where, where are the charges? The man needs to be led away from his house in a marnas in chains. 
so you can answer to the charges of fraud. Where are the police? This is as far as Steinhoff can go. Uh, pay back the money, we will sequestrate you and everything. But where are the police? It's not appetite to do that, I guess. Well, if Steinhoff gets all of it, they have one billion and, and some change out of these two guys. That's if they sit on ten and a half billion euros uh. of debt. So, I mean, this, uh, this is more of a symbolic thing than anything else. Mm. Uh. But, uh, but I think it's a good thing. Yeah, because yeah. it might not materialize. Oh, I yeah. mean, I'll just move on very quickly to another story. Bain, um, Bain and Company, the global uh, three, top three consultancy um, embroiled in the crippling of the South African revenue services, appointed uh, former Kumba Iron Ore CEO Norman um, Bazima. Um, Lukash, just give us a bit of background yeah. to that story, what's going, what's going on there. I mean, if any, anybody who is aware of what happened with the Nugent Commission, you know, you know, that was set up by Cyril Maposa after, like, uh, to look into what happened at SARS during the Tom Moyane era. Mm -hmm. I mean, o o over the course of, of the commission, it, we actually got details about how heavily involved Bain was in that exercise of destruction. But mainly via his like, previous country head, his name Vittorio Massoni, who Massoni, who's like seemingly have disappeared off to Italy or somewhere. I think Cisco uh, Conati and I met him a few times actually. In Italy? Like, <laughs> no, unfortunately not. <laughs> and I think in Melrose Arch. And then, so now, I mean, I mean like, they, they were found guilty in the commission. And then they, they paid back the money, you know, it's similar with McKinsey. But I think what we're seeing here is probably like a plan to come back into the public domain, almost rehabilitate their reputation. Mm -hmm. Like I say, we've got new leadership. And you know, we've seen that with KPMG, with more, with Wiseman. So it's, it's, it's supposed to be a similar kind of like a process, attempted rehabilitation. And I'm sure Sigonati will agree with me here on this case. But people are going to still ask questions. Like, you no, know, Masoni was allowed, for example, to just sort of resign and mm -hmm. just disappear. And when there are questions whether or not they should account for that or, or his action or who worked with him when he was still at Bain are they still at Bain no, and what about appearing to the Zondo Commission for example into state capture I'm, I'm sure this won't be the end of it but I think but it's a but it's a beginning of a process for them where they're trying to sort of set basically using this sort of like I would say the KPMG was been sort of template to, to sort of rehabilitate themselves yeah, and there's a broader thing I mean whenever things get dysfunctional the consultants start getting coming out of their holes to feed on what is dysfunctional. And this is the case in ESCOM, this was the case with SARS, it's the case with so many of, of our state-owned entities and to an extent, actually our government. So, I mean, if you can take consultants out of this thing and everything just functions, great. There'd be no need for the Baines and the McKinsey's of the world to come into our your parastatals. Then they can consult the private sector and uh, I mean, help those guys make more money. And that's what you, what you obviously want. But there's always a different sort of uh, a different dynamic to when this absolute capitalist consultancy firm goes in and consults a state-owned entity on how to better do its business. I mean, how, how does that work? And in the end, uh, uh, taxpayers get screwed. Exactly. We pay for that. But here's the trend, though, in the KPMG matter in particular. Uh, Matsuni comes from Italy, representing this global company. They totally loot South African revenue services, and the European goes into the sunset. No arrest, nothing. A black prominent executive like Mbazima, Mbazima, Nomen Mbazima, Nomen Mbazima, and you have, and you have uh, Ngutlu on the other side. 
if they were so good, why did these companies not notice them before? Now this black man is good enough to clean up the mess because they must now deal with the black government. They must deal with, uh, with the black uh, government in, dark con in, in the dark continent. Mackenzie is going to do exactly the same. It went and, for, and fetched a guy from Senegal who looked like us in order to deal with us after, after, after all the others have messed up. That is the trend. The, ne the, the next set of thieves that come in, they will also get another black guy to clean up when they've been caught. That's deep. Um, <laughs> very quickly, we've got about two minutes left. Uh, TJ, the Time Bank CEO leaving for personal circumstances, as yeah, so we, they say. We, we, is, it, is it a worry, as, as some people are, are making it out to be, that he's leaving so soon after the launch of, of Time Bank? The, the thing is, if you want to invest in Time Bank, you invest through African Rainbow Capital. That's, that's the way to do it. The only other people that have stock in there is, uh, is management and, and, uh, uh, and I think some employee trust. So you'd have to ask whether it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a worry for African Rainbow Capital. They said it's not a worry looks like uh, it's for personal reasons. What those personal reasons are, we don't know. Um, what's interesting is people say that he's been there for a very short time. He has been there for three years. So, I mean, we've seen, we've seen the bank only for the last six months or so uh, since it's publicly launched. But uh, there's been a, a long building phase. So, I mean, t to me, it doesn't look like that big a concern. The two founders are still involved. So, I think the background to the thing, more importantly, is... African Rainbow Capital got this thing for a song. Commonwealth Bank of Australia, they were in first with Time Bank and they wanted to take it to different places. Yeah. They chose South Africa as one of those places. And then someone at head office said, we're out of uh, emerging markets. So they had to sell it down quickly mm -hmm. and they sold the stake to African Rainbow Capital. The question is now, who do you get as a CEO? Yeah. Not lots of financial sector CEOs around. I mean, uh, how many acting positions are there at the moment? There's someone in, in Moyo's position. There's someone in Ramos's position. So the question is, who do they appoint as a permanent CEO? I just want to get one very quick comment from Amsikonati. You're not buying the personal circumstances excuse. Yeah, all of a sudden he now wants to spend time with his children. Maybe it doesn't matter to us uh, directly. Uh, we're not customers of the bank, 500,000 people, we're not direct shareholders in the bank. But can African Rainbow Capital tell us exactly what happened? Okay, well, that's what we, where we're going to leave it for now. Only can, time will tell. Only time that's will tell, <laughs> indeed. That's where we leave things um, for this week's edition of Editing Aloud. Do join us again next week.